Anyone that's been following me for a while on social media and Instagram will know me, will know my brand, will know what I'm about. I'm not just writing, producing, editing and starring on this soon-to-be award-winning podcast. I'm also indulging in my passions, and I love combining my two biggest, which are food and taking pictures of food. Now, I like to try and be creative in what I cook, informative in how I cook it, and artistic in how I present it. But boy, those followers are hungry. And it isn't easy thinking up brand new recipes every single day or stealing recipes from other better known cooks and changing just the smallest detail so it becomes mine. It's all very time consuming. And I've had it up to here, which you can't see, but be assured it's very high, with people yabbering on at me constantly, commenting things like, any leftovers or oh, bring some round. And I say, no, make it your damn self. Make It Your Damn Self is a new venture from House of Daft Ideas. I've teamed up with the people that brought you Just Fucking Google It and distributors in your area to finally enable you to make it your damn self. Did that picture of my bacon sandwich make you use the dribble emoji? There's bread and bacon on the Make It Your Damn Self shopping list. Want to recreate my roast dinner? Guess what? You can buy chicken, potatoes and broccoli from pretty much all the stores on the Make It Your Damn Self roster. What about my roasted figs with honey, walnuts and mascarpone? Did that make you comment, I need this in me now? Well, actually, that one's a little trickier. Figs aren't always so easy to come by. With Make It Your Damn Self, you just send me £25 a month, pick a picture of anything I've cooked... And I'll send you a screenshot of the 25-year-old copy of Woman's Realm I got the recipe from. It really isn't hard. And it won't break the bank. All the ingredients for Make It Your Damn Self can be found at your local store, food banks, and even those low-cost supermarkets. You know, the ones there's fly paper in the doorway, and you're sure they switch the freezers off at night. One slight word of warning. In Lidl... The ingredients may have slightly different names and be slightly harder to locate. But if you're ever in doubt, they're probably between the folding camping chairs and the welding helmets. Make it your damn self. No, seriously. I'm sick of you asking. from the House of Daft archive, broadcaster and national treasure Terry Wogan reviews pornography. Now look here. I'm only doing this because the wife is in the other room watching Top Gear. I don't expect to enjoy it one little bit. The film that's been provided is Fancy a Pizza Meal. How original. Let's get cracking. Janet is in her nighty. She is hungry. Janet says to no one that she hasn't had anything decent inside her for days. Poor Janet. 
She picks up the phone and orders a pizza. Hello, this is Janet. The pizza parlour seems to know who she is. Janet likes pizza. Janet orders a lot of toppings. Salami, pepperoni, all the meats. Janet likes meat. She gets confused when they ask her what size she wants. She can't decide between seven and ten inches. What a dilemma. She decides on ten. Goodness, Janet is hungry. At Big Willie's Pizza Parlour, John replaces the receiver. Janet wants a pizza, he says to no one. John decides to play a trick on Janet. Before you know it, there's a knock at the door. I'm coming, says Janet, and not for the last time. Janet opens the door in her nightie. It's not in her nightie. It's a regular door. It is John. He has Janet's box firmly in his hands. Hello, John, says Janet. Have you brought my ten-inch salami? You bet I have, says John, barely concealing this terrible joke. John whips open the box lid. Janet looks surprised-ish. There's no pizza in the box at all. It's John poking through. This must be the silly trick. Janet looks upset-ish and asks John, Where's my pizza? John says that they ran out of pizza. What a terrible business model Big Willie's has. Being close to starvation, Janet shrugs and decides to eat anyway. It's a good job this isn't real pizza, as Janet's face would be very messy. John throws the box behind the sofa. You can recycle those, you know, John. Janet and John and John's delivery fall on the sofa. A real pizza would have left a nasty stain on Janet's cushions. The only thing that makes a nasty stain on Janet's cushions is John. But that's Janet's fault. She can't keep her head still, and John's sachet of special sauce goes everywhere. Back at Big Willie's, trainee pizza girl Debbie can't get the hang of the pizza shovel. She says she's never had anything so hefty in her hands. Hoggy begs to differ, and before you know it, he's taken down Debbie's pants and knocked two stars off Big Willie's restaurant hygiene rating. Now, the wife is asking if I want to go and watch Top Gear. But I think I've looked at enough massive cocks for one night. In 2005, cinema-goers were set to experience a movie unlike that they'd ever witnessed before. Considered by critics to be an exceptional piece of filmmaking, so extraordinary, so moving, and so wonderful in its execution. At the time, it was also the most expensive movie ever made, and despite the praise and plaudits, is now deemed as one of the biggest commercial failures of 21st century cinema. 
its notoriety, always preceding it to the point where it has simply become known as the film. Fifteen years on from its disastrous release, theatre impresario Maureen Moreau, most famous for bringing us theatrical crowd-pleasers such as Joseph Fritzl's Christmas Schnitzel and Malala on Ice, has now taken the extraordinary step of turning the film into a musical, hoping her golden touch will once again reap box office rewards. But what are the dangers of turning a film like the film into a musical like the film The Musical? I spoke to Maureen recently during rehearsals. We just heard a snippet of the opening number from the film The Musical, a rousing piece called We're Here, and here we certainly are, or will be, when the musical opens. Tell us a bit about your relationship with the film. Of course, and thank you. And, and, well, everyone remembers where they were when they first saw the film. Where were you? Were in the cinema. I was a big fan of An Orange Wednesday. I couldn't get into Harry Potter 4, so I decided to see the film instead. What impressed you so much? I think probably the Pizza Express meal deal. It took a lot of hassle out of what to do before seeing the film, especially if you're on your own, like me. And the film stayed with you all these years? I loved it at the time, and remember telling everyone and anyone that they should go and see it. But I don't know that many people, so I'm not sure it had that much effect. But I was suddenly reminded of the film about five years ago when it was on the television. It, it was on in the darkest hours of the evening, and it was purely by chance that I saw it. I'd fallen asleep playing TV bingo. Tell us a little bit about the story. Well, the story is the part of the film that lets you know what's happening. And it was very important that we got the story right so the actors knew what they were supposed to be doing. The good thing about the film, and perhaps the thing people don't remember because they didn't see it, is that it is a film that has everything. And what we're hoping with the musical is that it not only has everything, but more. Leading the highly talented cast of over 400 is up-and-coming West End star Tilda Rice. This is a massive opportunity. I'm so blessed and lucky. Maureen happened to see me purely by chance. The understudy for the back end of Bonnie Langford fell ill, and I was swing, whatever that is, so I had to go on by law. So you're not very experienced. I'd just done a one and a half episode story arc on Holby, and, and I was ready to give it all up. But I'm thrilled, delighted, ecstatic, really happy. And it's such a special piece. Romantic, nostalgic, but not afraid to go really deep about what it really means to be in a musical based on a film. What do you think are the main similarities between the film and the musical? The people, the characters, the story. I think this version really gets to flesh out the bits that weren't fleshed out by the addition of songs. I don't know if you know, but, but there were no songs in the film. I haven't seen it, but apparently it wasn't a musical. This is a musical, and I think the audience are really going to understand that it is a musical by the fact that there's music in it. You're lucky to be here right now, actually, because we're just rehearsing the opening number. What is the opening number? It's an industry term. Opposite Dilda is reality star Derwent Water in his very first stage role. A controversial choice, even amongst the actors, because they are actors. Maureen. 
Casting Dermot is a bold and unusual move. Talk to me about that. You don't get to experience the joy of doing the things I do and producing the type of work I produce without accepting the risk. And what is the risk? It's an industry term. And here is Derwent Water singing us out with the Act One closer, I'm Here. And now this part is over What's waiting round the bend In only fifteen minutes We'll start the journey to the end I'm here I'm exactly where I should be at this point in time Indecision blocks my pathway And doubt fills my mind What will I find behind? Following the making of this programme, the film musical was pulled from the West End and everything to do with it was destroyed in a public fire in Leicester Square. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before we go, we've got a few minutes to check in with our dating guru, Rini Dimmock, to give us some quick-fire tips for all you single guys and gals out there looking for love. Hi, Rini. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Overall, very well. Thankful for what I have and taking each day at a time, like most people, I think. Uh-huh. Really just embracing the preciousness of life. Right, good. Uh, so just quickly, do you have any special words of advice to all our listeners out there looking to get on the love train? Well, the philosopher Krishnamurti says, Love is something that is new, fresh, alive. Mm-hmm. It has no yesterday and sure. no tomorrow. It's beyond the turmoil uh, uh, of thought. Sh- sure, you're like eating into flower, your own time, Rini. It has perfume. You can smell it or pass it by. The flower is for everybody. And for the one who takes trouble to breathe it deeply and look at it with delight. Yeah, I'm thinking more about Tinder, if I'm honest. Oh, OK, uh, well, here's my advice for men. Don't put photos of you skiing, too many pictures with children or at sports events, or with an anaesthetised lion in Sri Lanka. And for women... Really going to have to hurry now. Don't go out with anyone who puts Sunday Funday on their Insta stories. Special thanks this week to the lights of my life and the loves of my loins. Rebecca Cooper, Fiona Partington and Joel Babington. Come back next week. I'll be here. Hello? Hello? Hello?